0: Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vole, site manager at OneFootDown.com on SB Nation. With me, as always, is Jude Seymour, and we got a special guest for you tonight, Carter Carls of the South Bend Tribune and ND Insider. Carter, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing
1: quite swell. How are you guys? Swell. Doing great. Got always a
0: uh, use the proper terms, Josh. <laughs> I, 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 have been told as much. <laughs> so, so, uh, tonight, uh, you know, I think, you know, Jude and I have been doing a little bit of uh, gonzo action in the last like three episodes or whatever, whatever we've done. And so I don't think that's going to change much, but we're just going to bring someone else on for the madness. Uh, but, but while we got, uh, while we got Carter here, we're going to talk some recruiting and talk about a little bit about what he does. Um, you know, what he's doing in South Bend and, you know, what he thinks about the Notre Dame football team, the program. Um, Carter give a, people will have to know who you are by now. I'm sure at least, especially most of our listeners. Uh, But uh, just give the the quick bio of, uh, of what, what, what makes you, what you're made of here.
1: Okay. Yeah. So um, moved here last year, actually started right before the Michigan game. So um, this is my first off season with uh covering notre dame and uh i do mostly recruiting i also do some team stuff especially during the season cover all the games uh, especially home games and um recruiting is my main focus so um you'll you'll get to know you know all the big picture stuff at our website what's going on and um have a good, good touch on have a good feel on what's going on uh, at notre dame not just uh, the team but recruiting as well so i try to uh bring the big picture and the human interest side of things uh, for
0: Indy Insider. Excellent. And, and I mean, what do you think so far? What do you think about our little corner of the college football world? Uh, you've been almost a year, right?
1: Yeah, almost a year. I, I like it. I, I think um, it exceeded my expectations because like I had no idea what to expect when I got here. I'd, I had never been to Indiana before. I'd never been to South Bend, obviously. And then I didn't even know where Notre Dame was in indiana i you know south bend i was thinking it was south indiana so i was very shocked to hear that it was <laughs> not i'm like is it called nice. north bend <laughs> 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 i'm also not good with geography so uh, <laughs> but it, it's been great you know um i was expecting with such a big fan base uh that there'd be a lot of crazies but uh people have been treating me well i know it was a 12 and 1 season so it's hard to get super crazy or mad so We'll see if that changes, but, uh, everyone's been great to me. I have, have a great time and, uh, I love the people I work with. So it's been, it's been awesome.
0: Well, that's great. Yeah. Things. Yeah. You, you weren't here for a four and eight season. Uh, <laughs> things are just like, you, you remember that, uh, that Saturday night live skit when, uh, with uh, Will Ferrell, when they thought like the camera, when the camera was dead. And so like, it was like, they were off air for like 10, 15 minutes and it was like Lord of the Flies after 15 minutes. <laughs> Basically, that during the four and eight season. So, I mean, just like people were setting fires, and you know, it, it was amazing.
2: A lot uh, of people sniping at each other, like people I, that were friendly to each other. Sniping I, I
0: wish other. that every fan base could go through something like that. I just don't want to go through it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So. I can't even imagine. That'd be funny, though. <laughs> Carter, can you can you compare the Notre Dame experience to the Texas
2: A and M experience? Because I know you you went there, right, as an undergrad. Yep, I did. Um, graduated May of 2018, and I began
1: covering. Uh, I joined the student newspaper almost immediately because I'm a nerd, and uh, worked for there and the Dallas Morning News covering Texas A and M, and covered them for three or four seasons. Um, and A and M had just kind of moved into the SEC, you know, 2012, and they had just been coming off their Johnny Manziel years. So, uh they were living like, you know, they were they were riding high and uh all that kind of came crashing down by the end of of my uh senior year there. Kevin someone got fired, they replaced him with Jimbo Fisher. So, uh every season I covered A&M, they were eight and five, I wanna say. Uh Carter
0: Ocho Cinco.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ocho Cinco, which is one of my favorite players. So uh it was it was pretty uh fitting. But so yeah, I guess I was expecting an eight and five season at Notre Dame. No, but uh no, I mean I don't know how I'd compare it. Um you know, it was it's a a lot bigger university than people think there's 65,000 kids, um, that go to school there at Notre Dame, you know, it's 8,000. So I, I was pretty shocked actually when I came to Notre Dame and, uh, it's, such, it's a smaller enrollment than, you know, a lot of other places. I, I thought with such a huge school that it'd be in this big city, this big enrollment, but, no, I mean, the thing that's interesting about Notre Dame is they've, they've got this mystique about them. You know, you don't even know where they are on the map, and but everyone knows who they are, right? Like, everyone knows who Notre Dame is. So, I always thought that really intriguing, and you, you see it with recruiting. They're able to pull guys out of New Jersey and California and Georgia. So, it's Germany. been really... Uh, yeah, Germany. And, um, yeah, it's been... Really interesting. Whereas at A&M, you know, a lot of their recruiting there, they're getting guys from the South.
2: So, um, some big differences recruiting-wise, for sure. Yeah. Um, tell me, when you talk to recruits and they say, you say, Hey, when you got offered by Notre Dame, what was your first impression? Do a lot of them say like, I I didn't even know if Notre Dame's in like California or New York or like, do they know where Notre Dame is now? Or is that still a kind of an ongoing thing where they have no idea where Notre
0: Dame is? I'm sure opposing coaches probably let them know it was, you know, North of Canada. Man, I'm trying to think because there are a few kids that for sure
1: were like, yeah, I had no idea or which state it was even in, you know, like they're, they're, I want to say Lovey Jenkins might have said he had no idea what it was, but he he wanted to go there. You know, it's it's funny. These <laughs> kids want to is. go there or they they're interested in visiting there, but they have no idea where it is. They don't know where they're going to fly into. They don't know what it takes to go there and all that. They're just like, "Oh, yeah, I've heard of them, so I want to be a part of a great academic institution and all that." But they don't know where it is. So it is kind of funny, but I do think that You know, the closer you get when you're in the Midwest, things like that, everyone has a general idea of where it is for sure. Yeah,
2: I mean, I always wonder if maybe Clemson has the same problem because the word Clemson doesn't really mean anything to a 17-year-old kid or whatever. Like, are they naturally – I think they could naturally assume it's in the South, but would they have thought South Carolina versus Florida versus Georgia or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, and and it's not like kids are studying maps every day, so – um, they might not even know where Indiana is exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I probably didn't when I was that age. So, um,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I think. But yeah, the closer you get, for sure, they they have a good idea. Yeah, which brings me sort of my next point, which is uh, you know, and I'm not going to paint with a broad brush here. Oh well, a little bit, I'm going to paint with a broad brush. Um, I I believe the 17 year old uh, high school student athletes are inherently not very interesting people. Um, they're not very well versed in having um, media members call them and ask them questions. And so for a lot of them, when they get an offer from Notre Dame, they're not just hearing from you, but they're hearing from the rivals recruiting reporter and they're hearing from the Irish illustrated recruiting reporter. And they're hearing from maybe a national reporter uh, maybe from SB nation or something like that. Um, What's your impression of the, how you kind of build that rapport with them and get them comfortable in the span of a of an interview where you're asking them maybe questions that they've already heard um, and trying to get more interesting answers than oh, just so blessed to have this offer.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and I, I have to keep that in mind when I do talk to them. I, I think for our website, our goal was to tell the big picture idea, you know, I think it's easy to, Report who's visiting this weekend, and you know where, which schools do they like, and what's his forty time. Like you know, everyone can find out those details, but I try to figure out the big picture stuff. Like, okay, what what does this guy uh, bring to Notre Dame, or would he fit in on the roster? Uh, is is there a trend that is involved with this recruiting? Like, are they recruiting more in Georgia or something? And then the. He, human interest side to kids, you know, what, what makes the guy tick? Um, What makes him interesting? What does he do off the field? And I think when you get them to not talk about football, um, it kind of opens them up a little bit because all anyone wants to know is, Hey, who do you want to, where do you want to go to school? And what's your 40 time? Like, no, you know, you got to open them up and find out, you know, what they're like off the field as well. And you can learn a lot of really interesting stories that way. And uh, so that's kind of how I try to treat it, and then um, connecting with their families and their quarterback coaches, you know, uh, can really, you know, imprint yourself on that. And then um, I think you'd be surprised just how interesting some of these kids are, uh, especially the ones that commit to Notre Dame. I mean, you look at guys like Jerry Tillery, where it's there's so many interests there. There's so much, so many layers to that guy. there's so many recruits that are, are going to Notre Dame that I talked to that are just, you know, have so many layers to them. And, and you think like, wow, like Litchfield Ajavon, or Ajavon was born in a Liberian
2: refugee camp. And, in 1976, right? Yeah. And
1: I, yeah. He's, he's 70 years old. Um, he's got great sweater game. He does. And uh, again, I, I, I think there's so many interesting things about kids that go to Notre Dame because of, the academic background and, and the kind of kids that they pull. Um, so
2: I, I, th- I find it very interesting to kind of talk about outside of football and the things that they're interested in. Yeah. And, and in terms of how you actually touch base with them, is it usually like a, a DM on, a, on a Twitter or do you, I, I mean, how do you get phone numbers for guys like this?
1: Yeah. I'll message them on Twitter or I'll email their high school coach or call their school. Um, I find it really easy or a lot easier when you reach out to the high school coach first, because then maybe you'll learn something about them that you didn't know. And then you can ask the kid about that. And um,
0: coaches act like gatekeepers a lot in a lot of cases too, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, some of these kids are, I mean, not all of them, but I mean, there are some instances where these kids just don't, aren't coming from a great family life. And so these coaches are you know, almost like a, another parent or a guardian. So they're kind of the gatekeepers of, who gets to talk to them and, and, uh, and all that. Is that, is that a right statement? Yeah. And they'll give you a heads
1: up like, Hey, this kid has a lisp or Hey, this kid doesn't like talking much or don't ask this or that, you know, that that rarely that comes up actually, but there are certain times, usually, uh, coaches are thrilled that people are talking about their kids and they love that exposure. So there's not, really a problem. I, I don't know if I recall a time a coach was like, hey, don't, don't talk to this kid.
2: Um, but maybe that's because I'm really friendly and funny and nice. And <laughs> great. I, <don't> know. <laughs> I mean, all kidding aside, do you think it helps that you're close in age to them? I do. Yeah, I, I actually do because, you know, I'm
1: 23. And, man, I'd be lying if I said I didn't still like Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon <laughs> and all that.
0: <laughs> man, I. <laughs> I'm 40 oh. years old. I don't even know what Dragon Ball Z is. Well, oh my um, god, I had a
2: girlfriend that was obsessed
0: with Dragon Ball Z. Anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there.
2: And you didn't keep her? Wow. Oh my <laughs> god. Uh, you broke up with me, Carl. I don't uh, Carl, I don't want to talk about it. Oh my god. Oh,
1: man. Man, okay. So, yeah, I, I do think it helps because um, you know, I think there are older guys I'll talk to them and it's they just want to talk about football and it's Okay, what? Where are you visiting this week? What are you doing now? What are you doing this? What are your grades? But with me, I can relate to them. You know, I'm not trying to be buddy buddy with any of them. Like I'm still trying to be professional and do my job the right way. But I do me relating to them helps them kind of open up a little bit more um, in
2: certain ways. So I I do find it as an advantage for sure. Yeah, and and because you're you're charge from the paper is to kind of do a big picture or get the human side of them. You're, I don't want to make too much conjecture here, but I I get the sense that you're not, it's not about we need to get this first or we need to break this news or we need to toot our horns that this was on ND Insider three days ago um, (laughs) before anybody got it or whatever. Um, that's, I mean, I feel like there's two ways to approach, approach re- recruiting and, and yours is definitely one way, but then there's a, there's, there's another way, which is this like dog eat dog cutthroat, like, you know, I'm dropping little nibbles and hints and stuff like that. And I'm also, you alluded to it. I don't have to be their friend. I, I see a lot of recruiting reporters who are like, they seem to be like buddy where they're trying to be buddies with these guys. And well, they get, I, they get and invested people, and involved in the lives.
0: Way. What's that? Well, they it, it's, it's some of them, and, and there I'm not going There are a few. Well, they get invested and get involved in, in the kids' lives now. Whether that means that they're trying to steer them, you know, maybe it's to a certain school or whatnot. Uh, but they definitely, you know, it, it go they they took that line a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I'm just guessing, Carter. That it just doesn't mean
2: that much to you to to. I don't know, just to be chatty, cozy with us with a set with a seventeen-year-old who may or may not go to Notre Dame. Would that be fair?
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's situational. Like sometimes you have to open a kid up by talking about things that aren't like football. But I'm not trying to to be sunshine and rainbows and say that every kid's amazing and every kid is a great pickup and um and that and I'm not trying to. Tell the kid to his face that he's the greatest kid that I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like I'm not right. trying to to uh, lie to anybody or be fake. You know, I want to be able to tell the truth and and uh, and be fair too. I'm not I'm not going to take a shot at a kid. Um, you know, like I remember with Brayden McGregor, everyone was you know like going a little overboard. I thought, and um, and so I'm not I'm not trying to steer either way because it can go the other way too, and so.
2: Um yeah, I, I try to be as fair as possible that way. Yeah, the Braden McGregor thing was interesting to me because I I have no problem when a guy picks Michigan over Notre Dame or anything like that. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, it wasn't about, it wasn't about, you know, he didn't pick Notre Dame, so it's sour grapes. The only thing that rubbed me the wrong way, and, and again, I'm fully admitting that I may not have the whole story on this one, um, mm-hmm. was just that he was a silent commit and that he was... That, uh, that people were that he was taking official visits, or people were coming to his lacrosse games to see him and scout him, and he could have given them an indication that this was over, and, and instead he just,
0: for, from what I can tell, didn't didn't do that. So, see, that, and for, I, me, I just, for me. I was just for me. I really I don't think any of that actually bothers me, but I, I do. But the only part that does that did rub me the wrong way was that this was a. I mean, this was pretty much a. To, in my eyes, something that was put out there by Harbaugh, you know, or something that he kind of, you know, he kind of orchestrated in, in a sense because he's done that kind of thing in the past before, where he's had guys delay on their commitment. He, he's done some stuff within the recruiting, with within these commitments, to try to on a PR level, and that that was the only thing. Like, like that, I mean, coaches are going to recruit regardless if the guy's committed or not, so. I mean, I'm not crying. If if Mike Elston wasn't up there with a jersey on watching, you know, you know, watch that lacrosse game, he might be somewhere else. I mean, I I don't know. It's not like he, you know, he's going to be at home with his kids that night. I'm just saying. I I just think all that was a kind of a Harbaugh thing, and which is just like some old school, you know, dick recruiting. But which it's totally illegal, but it is a little crappy. You know what I mean? I
1: think. So the the full story is he, Mike Elson went to his school to watch that game uh, May 9th. And then from the interviews I re- I read, Braden said he silently committed the same day that J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, committed, which was May 11th. Um, but I do know that Notre Dame's, like people at Notre Dame did not know what he was going to do at all until he did it. Um, and And so I don't think they were okay. very happy about that. Um, I know that in most instances if a kid's not gonna take a school, like Notre Dame's coaching staff, they want a kid that they're like, Okay, hey, if you want to pick Virginia, you can pick Virginia, but you, we want you to tell us because we want the heads up. We don't want to waste our time and 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 all that. So I, I think people in Notre Dame were were not happy that he didn't um
0: let them know. But Well, you know, the other I, part of that the other part of that story too is that um, the, his his family was close with one of with I don't know if they're related or just close friends with one of the Michigan uh, I think one of the twenty four seven Michigan reporters, and so mm-hmm. the the whole thing about Michigan had no idea where he was going. It was like a just a, a the whole thought of a re, a recruiting site on on that level, like helping out with the mirage of the of the recruitment yeah. was that I think that. That coupled with it's probably the most it's the thing. It's like yeah, uh, you you kind of you just hate to see that, really. You know what well, I mean? I mean to, the yeah. way that the way they went about it was 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 a little. They were trying to put off like because I went back on there. I went to that message board and started looking around, seeing if there was hints and all that. And just the way that they did it, like Michigan, like they have no idea where McGregor's going to go. Like the whole this whole thing to like build it up, like they they knew too. And they were going along with it to build it. I mean, it was a, it was a sell job, 100%. And they were helping Michigan along with that. I I would be mad. Oh, you can go
1: ahead. No, go, please. I I, I would have been mad if I was a Florida fan because he took an official visit there after he silently committed. You know, that's wasting time and resources more, more than Notre Dame did. Um, So I, I don't think he handled it well for sure. But I don't think he deserves to be burned at the stake for yeah. it. You know, they're they're seventeen, eighteen year old kids, and he, he didn't handle it properly. But I'm sure he's going to
0: learn from it. And but he's a kid. That's not really on him. That's that's a. I, I'm not trying to put his parents over the coals either. But at the same time, that's a parent thing. You know, I am mean, a, a I'm a dad. I I just don't think I, that's something to be that to do things in that manner. Just isn't something that I would encourage or try to do you know what I mean
2: maybe they don't Uh, see
0: a problem with it and that's fine and then okay that's how they see the world and how they do things I just don't think that's what most people (laughs) uh, do yeah I mean I I I don't know if it was
2: interaction with you Carter but it's some Beth Beth Elston jumped in my mentions with with me and somebody else and basically said you know hey I would uh, yeah Cause I said something like, I bet you Beth would have really loved to have Mike home instead of, you know, out to a guy who was already silently committed, which apparently was not the case. So I take that back. But, um, you know, Beth was basically saying exactly what Carter was saying, which is like, Hey, brain's a good kid. Like lay off of him. Like some of the stuff that we've seen is completely over the top. And I, I just like, I, again, I don't care that he committed to Michigan. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I just, the whole, the whole recruiting thing gives me an icky feeling and I, and you're, you're more into it than I am. So maybe you, maybe, maybe you feel it more or we feel it less, but you know, so a guy commits nowadays and every site runs a story within 36 seconds of him and actually putting on the hat or, or speaking the words Notre Dame out of his mouth or whatever. So like, these are like weirdly bad bad kept secrets that we're all keeping on behalf of 17 year old kids. And it's a weird di- dynamic where the kid has the leverage and I don't know.
0: It just, it. the only time it, in their, their next five years that they have the leverage.
2: Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it's funny because it, when you read the, I think it was the South Bend. Uh, yeah. It was the South Bend Tribune when, when they did the recruiting roundup, they were asking the kids like, what are you going to be most excited about now that recruiting's over? They're like not getting texts and calls from reporters and coaches You know what I mean? Like they're, they, they express that they're so over it that they, that it exhausts them. And how could it not when you, again, when you get get a commitment from Notre Dame, it's not like UTSA where maybe one guy calls you. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's about six or seven publications calling you or people wanting you on your pot, their podcast and stuff like that. So I I get all that, but it's just the power dynamic is just so way screwed up. And it just, the idea of professional men, like, you know, like Carter said, talking like, well, you're, you know, you've got elite speed or you're going to be one of the next great ones. Or you, you remind me of a young Antonio Brown or something like it just mm-hmm. feels, I don't know. I don't have a better word for it than icky.
0: Carter, let me ask yeah, you coaches, this. What were you saying? Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Have you, have you tasted Beth Elson's cookies? Are they <laughs> as good as they look? <laughs>
1: I have not. I I think Eric Hansen might have. I got him about it. But I need I
2: need to Carter, what were you going to say about coaches?
1: I was going to say coaches are guilty of it too. They they lie. They they give out empty promises to kids that they can't keep. Uh, I'm not saying Notre Dame does that, but just universally coaches do that. And so I think a lot of people are guilty of it. Coaches are, you know, can be liars, kids can be liars, recruiting reporters can be messed up. So yeah, it's, it can be an icky, like you said, an icky atmosphere sometimes.
2: Is there a way to like maybe recalibrate this at all? Or is it just because there's so many people that are so dependent on $99 subscriptions from readers that they just, they need to be first or they need to have, five articles up within 10 minutes. I mean, like, it's just, it's just, I mean, should I just shrug and say, well, that's, that's just the way it's going to be. And I don't, I don't think it's going to get any different. I mean, there seems to be, a oh, I think it's only going to get it. worse. There's yeah. I think there's no impetus for change because it seems like be, there's a real appetite for it.
1: Yeah. And, and social media makes it worse. I think everyone, you know, or not everyone, but a lot of people will be more concerned with being first than being right. And, they they want the inside scoop, so they'll do
0: whatever they can want to do, whether that's saying yeah, a coach is great. And being know. right has been a problem. I mean, it has been a stain on journalism in in all areas for ever. Any, I mean, for you know, for, for as right. long as there's been. Anyways, this this just gets to is just a little more <laughs> highlighted, I guess you'd say. Especially because it's, it's something that we all cover and you know have to watch closely. I I, I don't as much as it's a. People that do that get looked down upon in the industry. It's still going to happen. Yeah, Uh,
2: it doesn't surprise me. What were you saying, Jude? Let let me just ask you a question. How do you come about – how do you learn how to evaluate a high school kid? Because I I have to imagine it's it's very, very difficult when um, the level of competition they play varies so greatly from California to New York to Ohio to wherever. Um, How do you learn how to evaluate a guy – how much do you depend on maybe feedback that you're getting from their coaches or Notre Dame's coaches and your evaluation? And how, how do you kind of like, how do you grow that muscle within yourself? Um, because I, I think I, I'm a, I'm a big faker. Like I don't, I don't know how to evaluate people or whatever and, and stuff. So if I say something about a kid, it's probably cause I read it somewhere, you know what I mean? And, and I was wondering if, if when you read something, if you're just like that guy has no idea what he's talking about, he's just completely faking it. <laughs> um, and I, I was wondering how you all kind of develop that within yourself to to be more of a person who can speak intelligently about how good this high school kid is, and maybe how he might project.
1: Yeah, and I, and I don't pretend to be some expert at it. It's something I still am trying to learn. I I, I go about it in a a, a lot of different ways. Um, certainly have to watch the tape you know you're watching their huddles and all that but I also want to talk to those close to the kids what have they seen the coaches uh other analysts that have watched them in person I like watching the kids in person too like the offensive line defensive line camp at Notre Dame's tomorrow and I think that'll give me a good um feel for what some of those kids are like um and so yeah, there's. I don't try to just look at the tape or just talk to the high school coach because every high school coach will tell you that their kid has the best arm that they've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and, <right. laughs> and so yeah, I just try to look at it in a lot and approach it in a lot of different ways. But also, you know, I'm, I don't try to pretend to be this guy. I'm. I'm not always right. I there are some guys that will end up being great that i slept on and there's guys that'll be bad that i hyped up so um i think everyone is like that too not no one is right and so you have to take everything kind of with a grain of salt and make an educated guess
2: with a lot of these kids yeah i just i I feel like it's uh, there's there's people that are kind of more like you're saying hey look i get some right i get some wrong and then there's guys who are will never dwell. They're sort of like the skip Baylesses of the recruiting world, right? They never (laughs) dwell on the things that they got wrong. They're just moving on to the next great pronouncement. This guy's going to be amazing. Hey, remember when I told you X guy was going to be amazing. Well, yeah, you also told us Y guy was going to be amazing and he's, he's terrible, you know, it just feels like 55, uh, 55% batting average on this would be outstanding. You know, it's almost like (laughs) gambling, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's funny when you see it at Notre Dame, when a kid commits
1: to Notre Dame, right up until that moment, they are God's gift to this earth. They are unbelievable. They're so good. And this is just Notre Dame, this is other schools too. And then when they're committed, especially if they commit early, there there are times where eight months later it's like, wait, who's that kid? Oh yeah, we didn't we never really thought he was that great. Because it's always the recruiting industry is always built on what's next. And the kids you know the the really good athletes that are between two schools or four schools or whatever they want to hype those guys up because wow look at this five star kid he's between washington and oregon and then washington and oregon fans are going crazy and losing their minds but if if they didn't rank the guys high then you know uh, oh yeah he's just a three star like who cares so i mean i think there's some of that that goes on that's certainly not every situation but like yeah, you, you really have to stay consistent with it because I think a lot of guys fall into that. Oh, yeah, he committed and we don't really talk to him anymore. And he doesn't give us scoops and there's not much news to break. So, you know, who cares about this kid? Like, he's,
0: he's not that great. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said something about what's next because something that always bothers me uh, when it comes to recruiting, and, and I've been doing, I've been writing about recruiting probably since like 2007 is, like, we're in the 2020 cycle right now. Now, granted, you know, things have, things have changed quite a bit, you know, since they've, with the early signing period. So cycles have, ch- have definitely changed. But we're still sitting in June for the 2020 cycle. And I I, I have no interest. Like, I, I really don't, for the 2021, <laughs> one anything about 2021. I really don't. Like, Notre Dame's, you know, we'll, do, we'll write stories on them. We cover it. You know, and I, and I do all that stuff, you know, but it's very begrudging uh, because, because I, I really have no interest in that, you know, that far down the road. Yet it it's always seems to be it, like it keeps edging up. Like you used to never hear like the, about the next cycle really until, you know, right after signing day. And now it's like. You know, we're sitting in June and we're talking about adding more, you know, Notre Dame could add a a defensive tackle to the 2021 class, you know, after this weekend. So, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Do you you think this is just getting, you know, we've already talked about, you know, things getting out of control. Do you think this just keeps getting more and more out of control? Because there's pressure on these kids with the way that's gone. You know, it used to just be like, you know, rivals. Right. And now you got all these other sites, you know, or I guess it used to just be lemming. Uh, but now you got all this stuff, all the newspapers, all the blogs, everything. So it just keeps trickling down in in age and and we're talking about guys that you know haven't played their junior year yet. Uh which right. to me is just baffling, you know. I I can't imagine really evaluating a kid no matter what until after his, at least after his junior year, you know? Or at least in the middle of his junior year. Right. It it makes sense to me in that the, the recruiting industry has
1: just changed so much. You know, back in the day, there was no Twitter, no Huddle. Now, with all this exposure, you know, guys are getting offered when they're in eighth grade, ninth grade, and the really, really high-end prospects, you can't offer them or you can't invite them to camp when they're late into their junior year or senior year or whatever. Um, and you have the early signing period now, which happened started two years ago. You have the earlier official visits starting in April now. And so everything has been moved earlier. And so, you know, Notre Dame can't afford to talk to a five-star running back starting his junior year. They've got to be on him, honestly, beginning his freshman year or maybe sophomore year. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's just a completely different landscape. And and with all of the camps now and all social media and and all that, I I understand it. I, I get why. There, there's stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm like, okay, we, we already talking about 2022. Are we serious? Like, <laughs>
2: Right. <laughs> but, right,
0: Yeah. Now, it used yeah. to be, you well know, when, when people say, at least around Notre Dame, when they say the old days, and I, I just remember, like, when Holtz was coaching, and this is one of the few times I'll ever bring up uh, that man's name, but, uh, like, the big, the, the official visit was the postseason awards banquet. That's when everyone came then. Yeah. And that was their official visit. wasn't any. There wasn't a whole lot, you know, stuff going on before that. And he would just wrap up, you know, like fifteen blue chippers, you know, right there on the spot. And it, But you're right. It's just like this slow but yet steady glacier just moving. You know, at a at a at a pace. And sooner or later, you know, there's just going to be a, a big lake that we're all going to drown in. So,
2: (laughs) Carter, what do you think of people who say, I can't believe Notre Dame took that three star. This is too early to be taking three stars. Um, Just in general or. Yeah. Just like when, when, when you grab a 2021 three star or something like that, um, you know, my feeling is Notre Dame's evaluated him. They see the potential. They like him. He's a good fit academic. He's a good fit for their system. They know where they're, they want to slot him. Um, and so this guy is high on their board. And so if they take him, then they see the potential. Like one time Kyle, when they took Kyle Hamilton, he wasn't a five-star, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, so these guys can, can grow into it or whatever. But I think there's always this perception from fans that if you take a three-star, then you're, you don't have space for the five-star at the end. And I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Is that, is that a fair assessment?
1: I guess it's situational because, you know, this week, Notre Dame got a three-star committed cornerback. Um, and in that scenario, they had missed on a lot of guys at cornerback and had kind of been circling back on some guys. And you're seeing it this month for sure. And and so in that case, I, I think people are, are – it's fair to be up in arms saying, hey, like how can you not secure all these guys after the year Julian Love had and what it looks like Troy Pride Jr. is going to have this next season – um and and how good the defense was last season like and you you see how much success they have uh, across the board offensively uh for the 2020 recruiting class so why shouldn't they have that um at, at defensive back so in that scenario i get it but yeah if it's out of the blue if it's someone that they've been looking at for a long time and they really feel high on them um and maybe it's a guy who. just has a lot of upside, like Alexander Ahrensberger, You you look at him and you're like, man, he he might never play a down, but he also might end up being really good because he's, you know, like six foot eight. Um, So yeah, I think it's situational. uh, Just kind of depends on what's happening at that moment.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the guys that I fell in love with, um, and I think a lot of people were scratching their heads when they took him was Ade Ogundeje, because I think he was a three-star he was committed to maybe Western Michigan when he finally mm-hmm. decommitted and, and came to the Irish, if I recall correctly. And people were just like, "You're just trying to fill bodies," because I, and and I think, in fairness, though, it well, wasn't he in the
0: same same. You know, he was around the same time as Johnny Williams and and Colin Hill or Colin Hill. Like, Notre Dame has been trying to get a certain body type for a long time, so they have a they had a history. I think people were just kind of kind of fed up because guys weren't exactly panning out. But they were going after the this the same three-star that had the, you know, the tall, like, the kids that they could, a project they could work with. And Ade but, was finally this, one that, that they hit this on. Is what,
2: this is what makes me nuts, though, is they're playing the hindsight game, and Notre Dame's playing the projection game. And you're going right. to, like, look at the NFL draft. You're going to miss on people you think are legitimate superstars. There's always a flame out, right? I mean, uh, Carter, did you think Johnny Manziel was going to be great in, in the NFL? Like, you know— um, Certainly, certainly there were teams that thought so, right? So. I didn't until he got drafted by
0: the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> we can say the same about Brady Quinn. I know. We're so sad. <laughs> we're so sad. And Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the Browns. It took Baker. Hey, with that, we're going to take a just a quick break here, and uh, then we'll come right back and talk uh, more with Mr. Carl's there. All righty. All right, we're back. Carter, I'm going to transition just a little bit away from uh, recruiting here for just a minute. Uh, the Notre Dame football team itself, the program itself. So you came on last year, and in the uh, Tyler James uh, tradition, Notre Dame got an undefeated uh, regular season. So <laughs> thanks to you, good sir. Um, You're but, welcome. What was your <laughs> – this is a kind of a two-party here. Give me your initial impression. Like, what did you think about Notre Dame football? Like, we've already talked about about uh, you know your kind of thoughts about Notre Dame itself, but the program itself, the the players that you know, the actual team itself. What were your thoughts coming into the job? And then, what are your thoughts now about you know after you've seen a season? You know, were, were the things that you uh, that were you justified in some of your thoughts or were you proven wrong? Um, just just your overall take on, on the program there. So a
1: few things. Growing up, you know, in, in Dallas, Texas, and then going to AM was SEC, I was way more in tune with the SEC and the Big Twelve. And so Notre Dame was kind of just like an afterthought to me. I never really thought about them a ton or followed them really closely until, you know, like twenty twelve when they had that really good season. Um, but I remember just growing up. I always, as an analyst, I was not a fan of Lou Holtz because I always felt like he overhyped <laughs> Notre Dame. Like he would always, every year, it was Notre Dame's going to win the championship. It felt like, and so I was always like, "Gosh, come on, Lou!" It like, felt like that because
2: that? he was actually saying that. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> he was actually saying that. Um, so the that was my I, only. I, I feel like Desmond Howard just does that now. He he just he yes. he's followed the Lou Holtz school of. Just go full homer for your team and who cares? Damn the
0: consequences,
2: right?
1: <laughs> for real. And Danny Cannell did that with Florida State. You would always um, retire at home, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I remember the only hatred I had for Notre Dame was because of Lou <laughs> was was because he would, every year, it was, oh, they're going to win. And I'd be like, come on, Lou. But um, no, when when I took the job, I remember the chatter on the message boards and I've I've had a you know a couple friends go to Notre Dame and just talking with them w- what their expectations were. Everyone was talking about you know whether Wimbush had, was going to turn the corner and if he was going to um, become accurate and kind of limit his mistakes and all that. And uh, but everyone was so interested in Phil Dracovic. Oh well, Dracovic pass him up. You know he's such a stud recruit. But is he good enough to get him? And so I had never really thought of. Ian Book is an option. He's a three-star recruit. He's um, a shorter quarterback and not physically imposing or anything. So it was funny when, when, when Book started to go win those first couple games and every handoff that he'd do would go for a touchdown. I remember it'd be a running joke. It'd be like, Oh, well, Ian Book, every play he's been in, he's scored a touchdown. So obviously he's the best quarterback on the team. Um, (laughs) that was my joking. And then a I guess it became true and so I was pretty surprised and I it was a joy to kind of follow Ian book and because I I was always feeling like it was the the perception was everyone kind of kept doubting him. the year okay well you you can't beat Stanford okay well you you can't beat um, this team or that team and so it was pretty interesting to follow that and uh, the defense I heard a lot about and I I watched you know, uh, Julian Love on TV and all that, so I knew how good he was and, and Jerry Tillery, too. Um, and so that didn't really surprise me how great of a year that they did. But Ian Book, like, oh, my gosh, I was so surprised with what, what happened last year.
0: And were you, I mean, you know, just watching that season unfold, did, uh, you know, I guess as, as a reporter and, and all that, were, were you kind of surprised about some of the storylines that were coming forward, like, like this, I mean, these are guys, you know, obviously we followed, you know, since they've been in high school, like, like a guy like Drew Tranquil, uh, Jude's favorite. And I, <laughs> I, I just, I throw that name out there just to rub it in his face about uh, Drew's draft status. But, you know, <clears throat> you know, Drew came to was a Purdue commit decommitted came to Notre Dame. So that's not like a big recruiting win, you know, at the moment, you know, you just, you got a guy from Purdue. Okay. Um, but, you know, just the way his career has evolved, but, did, did he, he – it's just because it's a name that you haven't said yet. Was he someone that had surprised you throughout the season? Like, like, oh, my God, you know, this guy's, you know, just a natural leader. You know, did, did he – did stuff like Tranquil did out there show you, you know, something different that you didn't know about? Yeah, you know, when I had first taken a,
1: the job, I had heard much more about Tavon Coney than Drew Tranquil ever. I mean, I had I, always heard about Coney – but Tranquil ended up being the way better athlete, the way better cover guy. Um, I mean, we got to watch their uh, their their pro day, and I mean, it was it was completely different. The, the two guys, um, Tranquil, just looked so much more athletic and um, uh, fluid as an athlete. And so I was pretty surprised by that initially, and then just the the toughness that he brought was um, insane. I mean the dude sprained his ankle pretty severely and didn't miss a game. That's, um, I mean, if I sprained my ankle, I'd freaking be in a full body cast for (laughs) two years. (laughs) So I I couldn't believe it. I, 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 he definitely is, is was
0: one of the most tough guys on the team. And that's really what stood out to me last year with his game. Uh, There's another guy that I've kind of singled out this year quite a bit. I've, I've, Written quite a few stories about him already. And that's Jalen Elliott. I I think, you know, Alohi Gilman gets a lot of press and rightfully so because he's been great back there. And, you know, he would have been a starter had the NCAA not, you know, dunked on him a little bit uh, from from his transfer from Navy. But, you know, watching Elliott, I was just ridiculously impressed this season about how far he's come because he's played since his freshman year. And mind you, a lot of the analysis about Elliott before this season was, Man, he—I don't know. Not sure how much he really knows how to play football. You know, you watch him out there. He looked lost, you know, at times. And last year, he—he he just did a complete transformation. And then not only that, but then you watch—you know—video clips of of him with the team, especially this past spring, and it, it just screams, you know, captain to me. And so to, to watch him go from where he was, you know, as a freshman who kind of bright-eyed, you know, but he's out there playing sophomore, you know, starting still kind of lost and all of a sudden, Hey, you know, he's one of the best players on the team, you know, and he's hip to hip with, you know, one of our, another great guy in Gilman, you know, what are your thoughts about Elliot? I, I mean, I, I really think he's going to have one of those seasons that nobody, only a few people really saw coming because we are all so impressed mm-hmm. with what Gilman has done, but I, I keep hammering this Elliot point. Is, is there something there that you're seeing that I am too? Oh,
1: absolutely. I I honestly think he has a chance to be the number one leader of the team this year, Um, which I don't know if that is surprising. You know, he's a high school quarterback. You've always heard about how vocal he is, especially this past year. But, I mean, I've been going to these recruiting camps and Jalen Elliott's more fun to watch than the actual recruits on the field because he is (laughs) fired up. He is, I mean, like chest bumping everybody and screaming and cussing and going (laughs) crazy it is uh it's a sight to behold but um yeah he's really stepped his game up I think the key for him was Terry Joseph getting hired uh last January he he really pressed the reset button because I don't think he was there mentally It, it was more of a mental thing and and, right. and getting back to the details, he's always been a, a great athlete, but it was the mental aspect. But Terry Joseph really pressed the reset button, gave him a new slate. And, and Joseph's a pretty, you know, uh, lighthearted guy, pretty sarcastic guy, and so I think Elliot fed fit on that, and it, it allowed him to kind of gain some confidence. And then for sure, Alohi Gilman being in the uh, uh, in the, the back end helped too, because it made things easier for him. And going into 2019, yeah, I, I think he's an easy pick for a captain. Uh, again, I think he's the most vocal guy on the entire team. Um, maybe the number one leader on the team. Uh, and I think he, he'll he be interesting in 2019 because this season they're going to have more depth at safety, way more depth than they had last year and the year before that too, um, with Kyle Hamilton coming in. And I think they can really – tinker with that a lot like I could see Elliott playing some nickel on third down while Kyle Hamilton slides to strong safety I I would not be surprised by that from from what I've heard so um, I think the options are endless for Elliott and and where he could play and then yeah I think he could be that that big time leader for them this season
0: now that that and that kind of leads a little bit to I I get to one of my other I I, I would kind of label Elliott as my as my favorite guy on the team I, I like to to give title belts to, to, to guys each year. But, uh, also, uh, this leads to like, Liam, for me, Liam Eikenberg, uh, hashtag Ohio, uh, as being another one of those guys. And I got to tell you, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about him possibly, you know, getting a C on his chest this year too. But, uh, after the, the pre Virginia tech interview, <laughs> are they, do, you, do you think the coaches take that chance of, of him in front of a microphone again
1: <laughs> well yeah and they didn't give him to us uh yeah he was a he didn't long time <laughs> i don't even think we got him after that like i think we got him for the cotton Bowl magazine thing. story yeah the cotton bowl too but they had to they gave us yeah. phil dracovic you know so <laughs> they gave us and Lindsay lindsey the freshman so yeah like
0: uh i think um he could certainly be a pick. I think um, he's a trendy guy right now as far as like when people are saying, you know, some of the best offensive linemen across the country, you know, Eichenberg's name keeps getting brought up, like in mock drafts and all that even. And, you know, he still has another you know eligibility. Hopefully he comes back. But regardless, you're in that conversation of being one of the best and at left tackle in the country. That kind of puts you in that upper class. And I I would
1: not be surprised if Robert Hainsey – he might even be a bigger pick than Eichenberg as a captain. Um, just the way that Chip Long has been talking about him and Brian Kelly has been talking about him this off season at press conferences. So I think Hainsey could be an option as a captain. And uh, yeah, I think th- the offensive line is uh, primed to take a step up this year and all of them are eligible to return. Uh, they're they're in, in 2021 or, or in 2020. Um, and with Jared Patterson, Still having a freshman eligibility, you know, this guy is kind of the limit from that standpoint too.
2: Now, Carter, you alluded to the magazine, and that's one actually one of my favorite things every single year is is getting the ND Insider magazine. Um, are you finished with it at this point? And what can you tell us in terms about in terms of your uh, what you contributed to the magazine this year? We are not finished. We're actually in like the
1: crazy mode right now. We're, we're going to be done um, a week from now, um, so next Thursday or Friday we'll be done. It's supposed to come out uh,
2: late June or early July. I, I should probably know that, but I don't. think it usually comes out about um, early July. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I think last year they shot for July 1st, so that sounds about yeah. right. I heard June twenty eighth at first,
1: but then Eric was saying
2: July, so I don't know. Maybe it changes. <laughs> Eric's every day. the realist. It'll yeah. be Martins. It'll be a Martins <laughs> in June twenty eighth, but only one Martins. You got to go find it, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I wrote um, a handful of stories. Um, we, we did some position stories, some analysis stories. I gave my predictions. That are going to be all true because I'm always right. Um, no, not really. But what, uh, you want to share with
2: us what you predicted this year?
1: I, I predicted. Think there's a couple of juicy
2: ones there. Okay, let me think. Are you are you are you putting us in the Camping World Bowl against uh, West Virginia or what?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know if y'all will like this one. Um, uh-huh. I have Cotton Bowl versus UCF, the Brandon Wimbush (laughs) Bowl. The
2: Brandon Wimbush Bowl, all right.
1: (laughs) That's my juicy pick, yeah.
2: There you go, perfect.
1: Perfect. Yeah, but um, got a couple recruiting features in there, and uh, we we got to talk to a lot of the coaches and a lot of the um, main players that you know uh, for this magazine. So we've got a lot of human interest stuff coming out um, Eric and tower have been sharing me some tidbits from their interviews. So, um, I think it's going to be really interested and I, I can't wait for it to come out.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the opportunity to talk to people who are maybe outside a little bit outside. I mean, I know that you're going to talk to like a guy like Ian book or something like that. That's obvious, but like sometimes you get an opportunity to tell a, a different story about a guy who doesn't get as much press or maybe a coach who doesn't get as much press. So I always find that kind of um, really interesting to to read those pieces because I feel like when the season starts, Notre Dame is just like you're only going to talk to the captains and the quarterback. You know, uh, right. you're, you're going to talk to Brian Kelly uh, twice a week or three times a week, including the, tel- the Sunday teleconference or whatever. But you're not going to talk to Chip Long and to Mike Elston and to you know and to Clark Lee and stuff like that. Which I always think is kind kind of a shame because those guys are very interesting when you do get to talk to them and and they have a lot to say that. Is, is sometimes different than what the coach says too, which is also you know uh, sort of fascinating, right? Yeah,
1: I was talking with Tyler James about this the other day. Uh, we we're like, man, we have not had a single conversation with Clark Lee where we haven't gone away and been like, wow, that dude is
0: super smart and interesting. Yeah, dude, my my brain uh, always hurts after listening to Clark Lee. Like, I'm, I, know. I just sit there amazed how cerebral. Like his, I, I did a whole story about it. Or maybe even a whole podcast here, but just about how he looks at at things and how his process of thinking and going about it—it just—it blows my mind. Like how intricate it must be, you know, when he goes step by step with what he wants to do. It it just to me, it seems insane, and for him, it's just like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, and and
1: the the interesting thing too, um, Notre Dame's Notre Dame, uh, they they think that Kyle Hamilton mentally and how he operates is exactly like clark lee they 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 make that comparison (laughs) a lot um which yeah get excited about that because and and in my conversation
0: i'm gonna have to get a crown real quick and (laughs) ship it up there for wait for uh hamilton to show up on campus
1: (laughs) he showed up today uh friday so um (laughs) he'll he'll be there to receive it but yeah no uh hamilton mentally you know you, you talk to the kid and he absolutely hates interviews, but you wouldn't know it because uh, he's a real thoughtful kid and he, he answers every text and every call. Uh, a, a really good kid to talk to. And uh, the sky's the limit with that kid uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I can totally see the Clark Lee comparison with him mentally. And uh, I got to see him and, and meet with him and, and watch him at the All American Bowl. And I, I could totally see it.
0: We're getting close to, uh, to wrapping these things up. but I'm a, there's a few things I, I got to get from you because, uh, well, I, I got to know. And you might have answered mm-hmm. this before on the pot of gold. I, I can't quite remember, but uh, it's something I like to ask uh, just about anyone that comes on here or just anyone in general. Uh, taco versus burrito, where do you stand? Oh, my God. On a fight?
1: Uh, I mean, in a fight? I, sure. I don't know why. I I would thought of hot rod. I thought you said taco versus grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know why right. I thought that. And so I was God, I love that movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> why that's so funny that that was my instant reaction. Oh, you mean in a fight? <laughs> oh my, oh my gosh. Uh, taco for sure. Taco. Ooh. But but what I'll say, I get really pissed off about this. I don't know why. But I get mad that soft tacos are called tacos because they're in the same uh, thing that burritos are in. They're in tortillas. So aren't they kind of like an open burrito? Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm drunk and high. But
2: I think <laughs>
0: that, that, that is a very interesting hill to die. I mean, on I'm, I'm, a, I'm Italian. And so we have all sorts of different pastas, right? It's the same damn thing. It's just in different shapes. So like a a hard taco is just a tortilla deep fried, right? So I guess guess it's just a a category that people have to put it in, right? Yeah, but if it's open and it's a tortilla, (laughs) (laughs) it's a burrito. Uh, Well, you've been stalled out here. Where where are you at here? Taco versus burrito.
2: For me, taco for sure see this is not as nearly as bad of a take as is hot dog a sandwich and ian Book said yes i mean i'll I, that to me I, that that was unforgivable i don't when he's uh, like when he told tyler james think about yep. it think about it i was like no there's nothing to think about hot dog isn't a sandwich like uh, this there's, is there's you should have there.
1: brought that up because i'm definitely in ian books camp
2: okay? ah and
1: i go <laughs> i go even beyond that like i think a taco is a sandwich. A taco taco is a
2: sandwich? I think a taco, taco is a
1: sandwich. I think fried chicken is a sandwich because it's breading. Um, <sighs> I think you can even argue that a Pop-Tart is a sandwich. Is fried but I don't know. You just, yeah,
2: some folks just want to watch the world burn. I guess Carter's monster. <laughs> Holy shit! You bet.
0: I'm Team Chaos for sure.
2: <laughs> oh my god! Oh,
0: but you, <laughs> who knew? I'll tell you what. Your, your hot takes on food right now have, have got me uh got me spinning. Do
2: you have so a, do you have a deep thoughts about Whataburger being uh a, a acquired today? So every single
1: one of my friends is abs- absolutely losing their mind. They're thinking, "Oh my gosh,
2: <laughs> This <laughs> expansion is going to
1: make the food work deep dish pizza chain or whatever i know and but to me i'm selfish i'm like oh well it might come to south bend one day um so i'm like all for it i think it's great spread the brand um but stay close to your roots you know Waterburger. you're always texan remember that Waterburger, and uh and don't you know don't ruin the product for sure but like yeah, I'm more interested in it coming. If if they can make ninety percent good of what Whataburger tastes like in Texas in South Bend, I'll be I'll be fine with that. So <laughs> I'm all for it. But my friends are losing their like you have no idea. People are talking about boycotting them. They're talking about like protesting. I'm like, guys, this is a freaking burger chain. Like, what's wrong <laughs> with these people? Not even I'm just obsessed. And I'm pretty
0: obsessed. so so what do you eat so what are you eating in south bend what what uh how how are you finding the uh, the local cuisine there it's not great to be honest Um, (laughs) um, Listen, it's bad i I have a problem with south bend like i'm from around the fort wayne area like hicksville ohio is a 20 minute drive from fort wayne so i'm basically like a really shitty suburb of fort wayne Mm -hmm. so but with fort wayne you can't go like more than like two minutes without a couple of really decent restaurants. Right. And South Bend is like the complete opposite. Uh, Goodness. But there there are some good joints around there. Have you found something that you you do enjoy quite a bit there? Two places. Portillo's,
1: uh, big fan of that for sure. I mean, man, I could eat there every day. (laughs) The sleeper, the one that everyone's sleeping on. I don't even know if you guys know this place, Nick's Patio. Oh, of course, fire! It's I've like never a been Denny's back. on steroids. I've
2: never been there before two thirty in the morning. I think
1: that's ideal. <laughs> oh yeah, you can only go there at, after one a.m. for sure. Um, yeah. But no, it's I've like Denny's on steroids for sure. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm, I'm a fan. There's so many options. It's relatively cheap, uh, and Yeah, Danny's on steroids. That's the the best comparison I can make. (laughs) Big fan. Great, great to go there after midnight. You know, uh, when you're hungry. So, uh, yeah, great, great place. (laughs) All
2: right, do they have any like anything close to like a Tex-Mex option that that makes sense, or is it just all trash? It's all dog meat. Yeah, it it tastes (laughs)
1: like if you ate a dog. I mean, it's that bad. It's, it's – so the uh, Mexican food here and the barbecue here, it, it makes me cry sometimes because I just I – don't, I don't get it. I mean how can you screw it up so badly? But um, <laughs> those are the two – and fried chicken. There's not much fried chicken. So
0: can you go to Carter's, your – Carter's – he's just burning something. Can you go to your it's editor
2: and be like can you go to your editor and be like, I need to go to uh, the Dallas opening. Uh, there's a lot of yep. recruits there, like, and just so you can get home and get some food, like food that you actually like.
1: Well, I am going there. So, yeah. And it's funny. Whenever I do go home, I basically leave 15 pounds heavier because I'm like, okay, got to eat Tex-Mex every day. I eat barbecue. <laughs> it's like a mission of mine. I have to hit all the spots, you know? That's too funny. Yeah, you get me talking about food. We'll, we have an, an entire another podcast we could do. I could go on for days. And,
0: and I, I am seriously debating about starting a uh, a food based podcast on the on this uh, one foot down thing. Just like really, we're going to do expansion like Whataburger here. Oh man, you need any bad takes? I'm here for you,
2: Jude. <laughs> you, you got anything more for Carter here? I just want to ask him about the taco bar. I mean, it's, it's quite That's legendary. It. Yeah. It's been, it's been talked about a lot. Um, is it, I mean, are you, are, what are you adding to the taco bar? And is the best part, the, whoever designs the cake or what's the best part of the taco bar? I've never been, um, I oh. guess they don't like me enough. So I oh, uh, no, no,
1: no, no. Uh, they haven't had one since I've been here. Um, you know, I, I joined Did Mike the right- Burrell,
2: take the taco bar with him. What happened there? <laughs>
1: It, it, it's i little, guess it's Maybe sleepless exactly in seattle I ruined it no um it, when i got here you know it was right before the season so i didn't have really time then and then you know, the off season has been busier than expected probably so yeah i mean i, I think we our plan is like eric talked about doing a barbecue at his house but i'm i'm kind of like barbecue let's do a taco bar that's all i've been hearing about <laughs>
2: And can you? They, can you make barbecue? Like, can you do like real good barbecue for them instead of Eric doing it?
1: Oh, I, I can't cook,
2: man. I, oh, okay, I, I'll,
1: I'm a judger of food,
2: but I'm pretty hypocritical because. your oh my put god! put your hot dog and the hot and without the bun kind
0: of guy. Now, Carter, did you, you did you go home for Easter or, or did you stay up uh, in South Bend throughout the weekend? Did you get a experience the dingus day? Um, I'm trying to remember if. I was back. Uh, I actually did go
1: home for Easter, but I did hear about that. I had no idea what Dingus Day was. I thought Dingus was an insult. So um, <laughs> I, I, uh, he's a saint.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I had no idea what it was. So you you uh, you didn't go experience all the all the excellent Polish cuisine, all the all the pierogies, and everything else they got down there.
1: I did not, and maybe that's why I'm so unsatisfied with all of the food. Uh, maybe I'm just missing out all the events going I on. I just that think now. that
0: you're you're going to have to shift the. Uh, you know, it's like moving to. Uh, you know, it's like moving to Kenya and expecting a good burrito. You know, <laughs> gonna, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to like shift to uh, that's a that's a Polish, <laughs> that's a Italian, <laughs> that's an immigrant town, uh, Polish Italian stuff on there you're gonna have to just shift your your uh your taste buds that way and i think you'll be a little bit more pleased yeah i gotta be i gotta stop being such a snob i'm i'm
1: I'm ridiculous i'm like "Mm, that that pulled pork doesn't look good enough yeah (laughs) i gotta quit
2: my ways (laughs) just
1: enjoy it and shut up
2: that's great hey before we let you go um some of my favorite people on on Twitter, and I've had the privilege to meet them once in real life. Are are Eric and and Tyler? Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about some of the personal interactions you've had with those guys, and and what they've meant for you in terms of your development as a as a writer, and and you know as as a guy living in South Bend and being a person. Gosh, I hate those guys. Uh, where <laughs> do I start? <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, um, you know You know, that's I'm gonna so be the cutout
2: for this the teaser for this uh this episode. On the on the on this episode, we have Carter Carroll talking about uh Tyler James. Gosh, I hate hey, those Car-
0: guys. Hey Carter, before before here. you do- divulge uh the top secret stuff here, I, I got I got one for you that you may not know. Okay. So, so Georgia game 2017. Yes. Close game, right? Uh-huh. It's getting down to the wire, and we're all we're all up in the box, we're we're ready to get down in the field. Well the elevators, I don't know if they were not working at all or if they were just – they were ridiculously slow that season anyways. But they are just ridiculously slow. So we're all just like sitting there jamming. Finally, you know, someone, you know, follow the leader. Someone takes off for the stairs. I followed Eric Hansen all the way down the stairs from, <laughs> from the press box down to the field. Let me tell you about someone who was light on their feet that I did not think was light on their feet. And did he – Owned those stairs. It was. It was. I was, was about dead getting down to the bottom there. You know, thought thought my calves were going to fall off. He owned those stairs. Just I wanted to pass that along. That's someone who's out there working it. I gotta ask him about it, um, and maybe I'll race him down the
1: stairs one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, to go to your question, um, I'm really, really fortunate to to work with those guys. You know, there there are people at newspapers that can be really, uh, unhappy and, uh, you know, just play anywhere could be really unhappy, but those guys are a delight to be around. Uh, Eric is really funny. I had no idea how funny he was. Um, not as funny as me, but, uh, (laughs) he's, 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 uh, great to be around. And then Tyler was really helpful for me because he did my job for about, uh, six years. And so he's really given me a blueprint to, to kind of follow and um, any advice I need, I can go to him or Eric. Um, And so, you know, going to a new beat is, is tough because, you know, you don't know every player's life stories like, you know, Eric and Tyler did. You don't know the name of the third string defensive tackle and where he's from. And so it took some time to adjust. It was kind of a whirlwind joining right before the Michigan game. So having them and, and, not only be really helpful, but being great to be around was really awesome. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Tyler James uh, turned 30 years old. He's really old now. So uh, make sure to uh, God, let's let him not, know Let's that. not go there. Yeah, no, yeah. you
2: said that to the wrong two people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm saying it more of you need to tell him that he's old.
0: Maybe oh, don't gotcha. tell him And then hey, he'll, hey, look hey, right. he'll look right at me and say, What year were you born? 1978?
2: <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Oh, okay. Say, <laughs> so, Aren't you turning 40 this year? Yeah, you are. Okay. Oh, 41? Okay. Yeah, yeah good. good. <laughs> well, he,
1: you know, Eric and I went to his uh, birthday party uh, in Laporte, Indiana, and got to meet his family. And Towers actually met my family. And so uh, we're really close outside of work, too. So they're, they're just great to be around and, and work with for sure. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. That makes everything. Everything a lot better. I uh, I can't stand Jude most days. So, uh, <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so anyways, well, we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank everyone uh, for taking the time to, to listen. And, and please, I implore you to to read Carter stuff uh, over at NDN, S- Eider and uh, South Bend Tribune. Look, it, it's worth your time. Uh, it's worth your money. We- worth your money pay a little bit of that coin to get the good stuff uh if if you got it it, it's going to be something worthwhile so uh for all of us here uh thank you have a good night go irish